calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You are listening to Episode 3 of Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 7, Breakall Orbital, 2371, October 31st. I was expecting that once we docked it would be a simple matter of shutting down the ship and turning it over to the authorities for disposition. In hindsight, that was a silly assumption on my part. Docking went smoothly, and the shore ties allowed us to secure most of the power and propulsion systems, but a ship like the Chernyakova is never unattended, and until we could arrange for a caretaker service, we were caught doing it ourselves. Then there was the small matter of the ongoing investigation. The TIC people were professional, and they were thorough. They were also adamant that we should remain with the ship until they'd gone through the entire vessel one more time. I walked Agent Waters and his team through the ship again, showing them what areas we'd cleaned up and which we hadn't. The contrasts were striking. I escorted them back off the ship, and he stopped me at the lock. Mr. Huang, we recognize that your part in this is to claim the prize money for your company and that you have no connection to whatever else is going on in there. Nothing that you've done or said changes that, and it will be in my official report. It may take us a couple of days to get this cleared up, but it will be cleared up. I left him there conferring with a group of agents while I headed for deck berthing and a bunk. Freddie had loaned me a few more hands, so we had enough people to watch the lock and keep the coffee pot full. The ship had no operational mission, and my sole purpose aboard was to safeguard the salvage claim until the authorities let us turn it over to a caretaker service. In the meantime, I had about three weeks' worth of sleep to catch up on. After the long run in from the Burleson limit, the three days in break-all seemed almost idyllic. True. None of us could leave the ship, at least not for long. They did let us go out to dinner, accompanied by a very discreet TIC field agent. The tinker was working shorthanded, but they picked up a couple of locals, and the skipper was filling in as OD, so it wasn't too desperate there. I just hoped that we'd see the prize money from this relatively quickly, and that it would have been worth it. By the morning of November the 7th, the TIC had gleaned what they needed from the ship, and I signed the papers that relinquished it to the company lawyers for disposition. Whether the Chernyakova would go to the breaker's yard would be put up for sale, I had no idea. The insurance companies and at least three systems were already screaming bloody murder, and given what I'd seen staining the decking, they had the right of it. After the last affidavit had been signed, witnessed, notarized, blessed, and paid for, the five of us remaining from the prize crew were finally free to walk about the dock. Of course, the first thing we did was shoulder our kits and head back to the tinker. Walking through the lock again was like coming home. 
As much fun as it was to have the whole ship to ourselves, the Chernyakova never really seemed much like more than a hull to me. We spent a lot of time on her, but ultimately I didn't really have anything personally invested in her except personal survival. No, the tinker was home, and I was ready to go home, and I wanted to try to wash off some of the stink that I knew still clung to me. I wondered if I'd ever feel clean again. As I stood there feeling the warm glow, Ulan Nart welcomed me aboard. The captain's compliments, sir, and she asked if you'd report to the cabin at your earliest convenience. Thank you, Miss Nart. That was her message, earliest convenience? Yes, sir. If you'd message a captain that I'm on my way... I didn't stop for acknowledgement. It wasn't unusual for the captain to summon me upon my return, and I had hoped to spend some decompression time with her. But in officer's speak, earliest convenience was a special phrase. Like most polite contrivances, it didn't mean what it said. I hustled my buns to officer country and was knocking on the captain's doorframe in less than half a tick. Ishmael Huang reporting his requested captain. Come in, Mr. Huang. You can leave the door open. You're leaving again. She held out her tablet and used it to send a document to me. I dropped my duffel on the deck to free a hand so I could look at it. It was an invitation to sit for captain. It was dated for today, and I was due at the CPJCT offices on break-all in less than a stan. Captain? Talk later, foolish man. I was beginning to think the TIC people weren't going to let you off in time. You need a decent shower, a good shave, a press set of khakis, and your ID. You need to be there in thirty ticks. Go. She snapped the orders with her usual efficiency of communication and a gentle smile. And I went. In spacer terms, half a stand is twenty ticks more than you need to shower, shave, and skin into a fresh uniform. Eleven ticks after leaving the cabin, I was leaving the ship again and walking deliberately, not running, to the lift. The CPJCT offices were on the O-1 deck, opposite the lift. They owned the station, but kept a low profile with a discreet presence and a modest sign. If you needed to visit them, you'd know where to find them. If you didn't need to, you'd never see them. I skidded into the lift and was outside the office door with time to spare. I checked my uniform in the reflection of the glass and smoothed a bit of wet hair. I had no idea how the invitation had been wangled, but it was, and I didn't even think about whether or not I wanted to sit for the exam. The captain's exam, unlike the mate's exams, was by invitation only. You could sit for mate once you had the requisite time and grade and thought that you knew your stuff. You only needed to attend one of the periodic exam sessions and take the test. They were often pro forma events, not too fraught with formality. You paid the fee, you took the test, they gave you the ticket, or not. The captain's exam was different. There was a minimum time and grade, of course, but captains were not part of the normal test rotation. The captain exam occurred whenever somebody was invited. There were forms and fees that needed to be filled out, and I suspected the not-so-frail hand of Frederica de Groot was holding the spoon that stirred this particular pot, the forms and fees needed to be backed up by a panel of not fewer than three licensed captains in good standing. I understood that most captains deemed it an honor to be selected for a board, but it took a goodly amount of time away from their normal duties to pass judgment on the invited first mate. Before I could face the panel, I had to pass the written test. Law, navigation, accounting, engineering, and more. It was all in there. A smiling, smartly-dressed clerk showed me to the testing room and had me verify my identity with that on record, and then waved me to my seat. The first exam is three stands, Mr. Huang, at the end of that time, or when you finish. There is an intermission of one stand where you may get something to eat, refresh yourself, or otherwise make ready for a period of three more stands to follow. Upon completion of the second half, you will be done for the day. 
Your results will be transmitted to the Board of Captains, and, upon review of the record, they may or may not summon you to an examination within one standard day. Do you understand the process, Mr. Huang? I do. Do you grant permission for the Confederated Planets Joint Committee on Trade, represented by the designated examination staff on break-all orbital, to release your confidential records to the Board of Captains, for the purposes of determining your suitability to achieve the rank of captain in good standing? I do. Thank you, Mr. Huang, and good luck. The testing screen in front of me lit up, and I never heard the door close behind me when the clerk left. In little more than two and a half stands, the screen went dark. I smiled to myself, remembering other tests and the feeling of surfacing from a deep pool. I sat back in the chair and scrubbed my eyes with my fingers. It felt good. The door opened behind me, and the same clerk ushered me out. There's a couple of nice restaurants just below us on the O2 deck, Mr. Huang. If you'd like to go stretch your legs, grab a bite. I thanked him and headed off for a light meal. I happened to have been on break-all once or twice in the last few stanniers, and I knew where I could find a plate of bacon and eggs with my name on it. Cholesterol and fat do have a place in one's diet. My body was beginning to let me know that I couldn't ignore the amount of said dietary delights I could consume anymore, but after the last few weeks, I felt I'd earned a bit of leeway. It didn't take long, and at the appointed time, I once more dove deep into the exam pool. Second half, same as the first. I have no idea what was in either of them, only that the questions spooled out in front of me and my answers disappeared into the machine. When it went dark again, I was done for the day, and I felt done. The friendly clerk fetched me from the cubicle and showed me to the door. That concludes the written exam, Mr. Huang. The results in your records will be transmitted to the designated board of captains, and they may, at their discretion, summon you to an examination. They are bound to make summons and convene the examination within the next 24 standard hours. Do you understand, Mr. Huang? I do. Then good luck, Mr. Huang. I headed back to the ship. I didn't know if I'd passed or not. The written exam was a fig leaf offered to potential captains. They wouldn't tell me if I passed or not in order to save face should the board of captains determine that my record wasn't sufficient to warrant promotion. I could at least tell myself that I flunked the written portion. The captain's traditional summons was waiting for me when I got back to the ship, and as tired as I was... It felt good to spend a quiet evening aboard in the company of my friends. Chapter 8. Break-All Orbital, 2371, November 9th. The summons to examination came just after 0800. The ship was still trying to settle into a watch rotation that had been all but destroyed by the disruptions of the previous weeks. Watchstanders are resilient, but in the face of too much change... The watch-standing merry-go-round has a tendency to wobble a bit. I was due for the overnight OOD watch starting at 1800. I was pretty sure I'd be back in time. I only hoped I'd be able to stay awake for the whole thing. In the meantime, there was this small matter of the summons. Dress for this one, Freddy had advised. Wear the full kit. You think I'll impress them? <laughs> not as much as not dressing up would, she grinned. That kind of impression you don't want to make. I chuckled and agreed. Good point. Have you been tapped to sit on any boards, Captain? She just smiled. I'm sworn to secrecy. That's part of the deal. What do you think my chances are? She looked me up and down. I'm biased, but I think you'd make a fine captain. She looked me in the eye with a wicked grin and a twinkle combination before adding, Someday. Someday? I almost choked. She could still surprise me. Keeping you humble, Mr. Huang. She turned serious. It's yours to lose, I think. Be yourself. 
Don't let them lead you down any roads you don't want to go. Thanks, Captain. If I didn't think you could do it, I wouldn't have put you up. Well, they acted fast. No, not really. She made an apologetic face. I put you up in the spring. They're just getting around to it now. For some reason, that made me feel better. I was still tense. Making captain was one of the big deals in the spacer's life. Not everybody wanted it, and not everybody who wanted it got it. At 38, I wasn't the youngest candidate, but I was still in the low edge of the curve. Even if they passed me over this time, I could be renominated in a few months. Scoot! I'll expect you to be precisely 15 minutes early. I scooted. The summons was to the same office that I'd taken the test in the day before. The same clerk welcomed me with a smile and ushered me down a passage to the small conference room in the back. The space was done up nicely, formal without feeling stuffy, comfortable without looking lived in. He showed me to a chair just outside the door. The board will convene shortly, Mr. Huang. Please wait here until they call you in. With that, he closed the door and walked back toward the front of the office. There was one thing I'd gotten much better at over the stanyards in the deep dark. Waiting. There's a kind of mental trance state to waiting. It's not like you can check out completely, but waiting is a kind of zen. Be in the moment so that the moment can move you along. Anticipating when the waiting might end is just going to make you more aware of the slow and awful passage of time. The door to the conference room opened, and Field Agent Waters stepped out with a smile. He wasn't wearing a black jumpsuit, though. He wore dress khakis with gold captain stars. Nice to see you again, Mr. Huang. Nice to see you, too, Captain Waters. Please come in and meet the board. He held the door open for me and closed it after us. The man and woman inside were wearing dress khakis as well and were refilling coffee mugs from a carafe on the sideboard. They looked up as the door closed, and I was pleased to see both of them give me a frankly appraising look. It wasn't hostile or even confrontational, more like a, so this is the man behind the file look. Captain Susan Z of the Astrolabe, First Mate Ishmael Wong from the William Tinker. Waters did the honors, and Captain Z extended her hand. Nice to meet you, Mr. Huang. Her voice was a rich alto, and her hand was smooth and strong. I hope my file wasn't too boring, Captain. Boring, no, not the word I'd have used. Her smile was friendly, but she was still about to sit in judgment, so she was maintaining a reserve. Long is the word I'd have used. The man standing beside her held out his hand as Captain Waters introduced him. Captain Brandon Gamblin of the Clipper Cthulhu, may I present First Mate Ishmael Huang. Captain Gamblin. Your jacket is rather extensive, Ishmael. You've done a lot. His collar showed the silver star of senior captain. He had the steady look of a man who'd been around. I'd seen that look before. I grabbed a mug of coffee so I'd have something to do with my hands, and we settled around the conference table. Nobody sat at the head of the table, but they sat on one side and I sat on the other. Captain Z started it with, So tell us, Ishmael, why did you decide to sign on to the Lois McKendrick? We started precisely at 0900, and I don't remember much about the next six stands. I do remember that at 1200 precisely, an orderly opened the door, wheeled in a cart-based buffet, and we continued to talk while we ate. The conversation was never forced or hostile. At times it was jocular and others serious. It was always focused on me. What did I do? Why did I do it? What was I thinking? Did I think it was right? What might I have done differently? Walking out of the office at 1500, 
My khakis were damp across the small of my back, and I was exhausted, but also jubilant. It had been a great conversation. They'd gotten me to remember things I'd forgotten, some good, some not, but really all things that were part of me that contributed to making me whatever I was. Pass or fail, it had been a great conversation, and I only wish I'd learned more about them. Chapter 9, Diurnia Orbital, 2372, January 8th. The return to Diurnia was uneventful, and the return to normalcy was a relief. The watchstander merry-go-round lost its wobble and regained its smooth machine-like precision as we followed the long trail back from Breakall, and the old grooves reasserted themselves. As we secured the ship in its dock, I could almost feel it shifting gears to the more relaxed cycle of port duty. Being in port was no less a merry-go-round, but the off-duty portions provided opportunities to get off the horse and stretch your metaphorical legs in ways that being underway couldn't. This could be good or bad, and I found myself contemplating my delayed return to what my wife would deem real life. If I were going to be honest with myself, I had to admit she had a point about my being a spacer. Not for the first time, I wondered just how fair this situation was to either of us. Secure from navigation detail, Miss Dang? Freddy's voice cut across my reverie and returned me to the immediate needs of the ship. She waited for Charlotte to finish making the announcement before she turned to me. You may declare liberty at your discretion, Mr. Huang. I believe first section has the watch. Aye, aye, Captain. Please make the announcement, Miss Deng. Charlotte finished the announcements, and the bridge crew began turning their terminals to standby, standing up, stretching and flexing after sitting at the same place for the better part of four stands. Excellent work, everybody. Enjoy your liberty. Freddy's voice was clear above the rising murmur of the bridge crew preparing to leave. She turned to face me with her bright smile. If you'd join me in the cabin when you're free here, Ishmael. Of course, Captain. With a final nod, she headed down the ladder, uncorking the bottle and letting the rest of the crew exit the bridge in good, if rapid, order. I took a moment before heading down to drop a note to Jen. My traditional message on return was a brief, Honey, I'm home. It was a kind of joke between us. I added, sorry I'm late. The rush hour traffic was murder. It wasn't the first time I'd used that phrase either, although I had to explain it to her the first time. Apparently rush hour was an unknown concept on Diurnia. Population densities and worker distributions did not contribute to a mass daily migration of labor during relatively short periods of the work week. It was equally foreign on the orbitals and out in the deep dark. We'd had rush hour on Neris and also on Port Newmar, and my traditional spousal greeting upon return was actually something my mother used to say when she'd come back from teaching and announce to our small apartment at large. Honey, I'm home. I hadn't thought of her for months. Twenty stan years later and thinking of her and her death could still catch me like a punch in the gut once in a while. I stood there on the darkened bridge and looked through the armor glass to port and starboard, admiring the bright livery of the ships nuzzled up to their locks, and I wondered what she'd have thought of it all. I wasn't in any hurry to leave the bridge. I had the first watch and wouldn't be able to get off before 1800. We docked just before 1000, so I had plenty of time to get stuff picked up, and I'd also have the evening and next day to make it up to Jen. It was good to be back on the tinker and good to be docked. It was an odd feeling, 20 stanniers since I'd first signed on, and I was still looking forward to each trip. I remembered wondering if I'd like it well enough to do it as a career when I first started out. It was a legitimate concern, but... From the bridge to the tinker, looking back over the hall in two decades, it felt like the right decision. With a sudden pang, I wondered if marrying Jen had been. 
As a sigh, I trotted down the ladder and headed to the cabin. Freddy looked up as I stood in the threshold. Thank you for coming, Ishmael. My pleasure, Captain. And it was true. We'd grown so close over the Stanyards since she'd taken on the mantle of Captain, I'd worked my way up through the officer ranks right here on this ship and under her amazingly insightful mentorship. She had the greatest of skill in knowing when to kick my butt and when to pat my back. I remembered a few times when she'd done both. That thought made me grin. She sat at her desk, lounging comfortably in the chair. Many of her mannerisms were bird-like and quick, the way she cocked her head to look at something or think about what she was seeing, a kind of look with the left eye, look with the right motion. When she sat, though, she didn't perch. In that, she was more cat-like, occupying a chair like it was built for her and her alone, and she would make herself comfortable in it, thank you very much. I wasn't the only one feeling thoughtful by the look of it. Freddie had a kind of speculative, faraway look in her eye, and the owl-welky I'd given her so many standards before in her hand. Have a seat, Ishmael. She nodded at the chair. I sat, but I was beginning to get a little concerned. This was not like her. We often had little chats about all kinds of things, especially after voyage. I'd never known her to look so wistful. What's going on, Freddie? She sighed and looked me directly in the eye. I'm retiring, Ishmael. Retiring? As in leaving the tinker? She half closed her eyes and gave a little sideways shrug. Those two things are more or less related, yes. I suspect the company would object if I stopped working for them and still lived aboard. But why? She chuckled a bit. Because it's time, my friend. I was ready to retire more than a decade ago before we won the ship back from Burnside. I've been putting it off until I thought the time was right. And the time is right now? She gave a small but very emphatic nod. It is indeed. She took a medium-sized envelope from the top drawer of her desk. The color, shape, and weight screamed official. She tossed it onto my side. Congratulations. The envelope was from the CPJCT, if the printed cover were any indication, and it was addressed to me. An envelope? Freddie grinned. In some ways, they're old-fashioned. She pointed to a framed certificate above her desk. They do have electronic records, of course, but they send a paper one, duly signed and sealed. I opened the envelope and pulled a master's license from it. It was heavy. The paper wasn't really paper, but some kind of flexible plastic. It looked like paper, and it made me eligible to be captain on any space-going vessel up to and including 500 metric kilotons pursuant to appropriate certifications and endorsements. I stared at it for several long heartbeats, reading and rereading, running my fingers across the surface. The letters were slightly textured as if they were layered onto and into the paper. Freddie just sat there the whole time watching me and smiling. Something in the way she sat there, something in her face, told me that she wasn't finished. Thank you. How did you know what it was? Yeah, lucky guess. And they don't send the rejections in physical envelopes. This was waiting for us when we docked, but I had a tweet from a little bird before we left Breakall. You did a great job out there, Ishmael. I warmed at her praise. Change of command will happen at noon. Mr. Maloney will be here to do the honors. My mind was racing as I considered the implications of the master's license in my hand and the opening in the Diurnia Salvage and Transport's roster of captains. Ishmael? I looked up. You're not going to be offered the tinker. She said it softly like she was breaking bad news. 
Of course not, Freddy. This is too nice a berth for the junior captain, but you must have offered it to one of the other skippers in the fleet, and maybe I'll get that one. She snorted a laugh. I should have known. You are always the practical one. She paused as something occurred to her. Mostly. Do you think you'll offer me the empty slot? I recommended that he give you this one, to tell you the truth. Plum job or not, you've earned it, and having you step up provides some continuity in the command structure. I considered this bit of news and shook my head. Jeff Maloney is too practical for that. No matter what he thinks of you or me, he's got 12 other captains to manage. Almost his exact words. Is he going to offer me the open slot? She caught my eyes in hers. Yes, but you're not obligated to take it. Not take it? The comment surprised me. Why would I not take it? Not all promotions are a step up. What? You think tractor captain isn't as good a job as first mate on a barbell? She laughed once. <laughs> you always tickle me with your ability to analyze these problems. She looked down at the welkie in her fingers. No, skippering a tractor is a great first berth for a new captain. They get lots of hands-on skippering practice, not a lot of freight at risk at any given time, and a small crew to aggravate should it come to that. She looked up at me again. But you know from hard-won personal experience that some berths are more challenging than others. That was the first lesson I'd learned on the tinker, and Freddy knew it well. I also knew what was coming next. Agamemnon. I didn't ask, I just laid it out. Her eyebrows gave a little nod of acknowledgement, and she confirmed it. Agamemnon. I took a deep breath and looked down at the fresh master's license still cupped in my hands. Did he say why? I asked without looking up. No, but I can guess. Delman's been skipper there for the last six Staniers. He's been a good corporate soldier and taken what Maloney has thrown his way. None of the more senior captains wanted to move up. She ticked them off on her fingers. From the tankers, only a Sylvia Franklin is senior to Delman, and those Manchester tankers are just too comfy compared to this. She waved a hand in the air, indicating the sumptuous captain's quarters. Besides, the tankers are small crews without being short-handed. She's got a good relationship with her first, and they're making out like bandits on the Diurnia well over jet run. I had to agree, and she made good points. The Manchester ships were very nice to sail in, and the triangle trade in locks, liquid nitrogen, and salt water was making that crew so rich they joked about buying out Maloney and going solo. At least I think it was a joke. Yeah, okay. What about Steve Baxter on the Perseus? He won't leave Perseus as long as Jimmy's with him, and Mel's not stepping down just yet, so there's no slot here for Chief Engineman. And everybody else is junior to Delman? Yes. Theseus, Hector, and Ajax all turned over in the last four Staniers. Tractor captains don't stay tractor captains very long, a fact you should remember. She was looking at me very seriously. But you should also remember that they turn over regularly, and that both Avery and Smirts are not that far from retiring themselves. You could do worse than to stay here under Delman and try for one of those slots when the time comes. I thought about that for a few heartbeats. True. But he'll give the Ellis to somebody with a lot higher profile than me. For all intents and purposes, that's his private yacht. That's a pure prestige job, and the shares have to be miserable. She laughed aloud at that. <laughs> My friend, you have a higher profile than Avery ever thought of. Maloney owes you big for what you've done here, and he knows it. He may owe you a lot more if the salvage hearings ever get around to granting our claim, and you'd be surprised by the shares, I think. I thought about it for just two heartbeats. Now, 
I'm not a taxi driver. I don't think he'd offer it to me, and I'm not sure I'd take it if he did. And Smirts has the city of Granby. I'd be in the same position then as now. First mate on a barbell looking to move up isn't going to be offered command of a tanker while there are senior captains who might take it. It'll be the same game of musical chairs, but with different ships. True, but maybe it wouldn't be the Agamemnon. Well, she made a good point with that, and she pressed it. What will Jen say? About my being captain? Yes. I lowered my chin to my chest and closed my eyes. I could imagine only too well what Jen would say. She wants me to give up being a spacer and settle down. I know. What would you do? I took a deep breath and looked up again. I don't know. Maybe a cargo broker. I know the biz and I know a few people. Carmichael and Farnham are always looking for people. Ever wonder why? I gave a little shrug. No, I know why. She didn't press it, a gesture for which I was heartily grateful. Well, Mr. Maloney will be here around 11.30. Delman will be with him. Change of command will be at noon. She looked up at the chrono. You got about a stand to think about things before it all starts hitting the fire. Why don't you go pack? I blinked. Pack? She nodded sadly. I really do think that staying here might be a better choice for you, Ishmael, but I'm betting you're not going to be able to resist putting that ticket to work. Is that a bad thing? She thought about it for a long moment. No, but it's the Agamemnon. True. I grinned with the dark humor of it. Maybe he sees it as another rescue mission. Oh, you mean like putting you on the billy right out of school? <laughs> Maybe, but I don't think so. You're right, I better go pack. I stood up and headed for the passageway. At least sleep on it. I stopped at the door. I will. Maybe things will look different in the morning. She snorted again as I left the cabin. She didn't believe it for a second, and I'd already made up my mind. Thanks for listening to Captain Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is the mason's apron and is used with permission of the artist J.F. Archer. Find this and other works by J.F. Archer at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons attribution, no commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 U.S. license. For more information on the golden age, visit www.solarclipper.com. Thank you.